0: on with the episode vibrant 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 Vibrant. music teaching proven and practical tips strategies and ideas for For music music teachers. teachers this is the vibrant music teaching podcast i'm nicola canton and today we're going to be talking about the do's and don'ts of great group workshops Welcome back lovely teachers if this is your first time here an extra special welcome to you and if you love this podcast hey why not share it with a friend this week if you have a teacher friend that you think would enjoy this too please pass along a link to this or any favorite episode of the podcast and let them know why they would enjoy it this week we're talking about group workshops and we have a great post over on the colourful keys blog which is from the lovely Melanie Bowes. And it is all about do's and don'ts of quality group lessons. So Melanie is a week to week group format teacher, meaning she has groups of, I don't know, four to ten kids. I can't remember her exact numbers, but she has larger groups of kids learning together. I don't do that type of group lesson aside from our preschool groups. I thought I would give a similar take on group workshops because that is something that I do regularly and I have done in so many different ways. First of all, let me just talk about some of the different ways we've done it and how we do it now. So group workshops have almost always been included in the fees. I have done some special one off workshops in summer months, but generally it has been done as a bonus included in parents fees at our studio. And I did say parents on purpose, There, adult students don't attend the group workshops. It started as once a semester, twice a year, before we would have concerts, I would do a group workshop three weeks before. And I would do a whole day of group workshops, essentially on a Sunday, um, to fit all my students in. That were great. It was the most exhausting Sundays I have ever experienced. But I did that for the first several years until I decided, hey, I don't want to work on Sundays anymore. I was fine with it before, but I want that day back, especially as I was working more and more days out of the week, as in teaching regular lessons. I switched it up and I moved to doing occasional group workshops on Saturdays afternoons. And then I mixed it up again. I started making a regular slot in my schedule when I make the timetable. So when I timetable out all our students across me and two other teachers in the studio, sometimes three, depending on the year, I book a slot with myself, one or two in the week that will be for a group workshop. I actually don't use it every single week. So when on weeks where I don't have group workshops, I, you know, use that time to do other work or to relax if I'm tired that week. So when those group workshops are on, they will be for a specific age group. At the moment, I do fives to eights and then nines to elevens, and then the twelve pluses have a different group. That breakdown of ages is not actually specific. Obviously, they're not even even, but it's based on the numbers of students so that it works out around the same amount of students applied to each group now they not they don't all go each time they're optional so parents then sign up for those online on my music staff when they want to attend them and as I said they're not every week I'll do alternating like the five to eight the nine to eleven and then I'll have some weeks off and then I'll alternate them again kind of like that So that's the basic structure now, and then the 12 pluses is a completely separate format now. It used to be one of those as well, but now it's a separate format that I call jam band that we're not going to talk about today because it's quite a different thing. My first do for great group workshops is do decide. I've given you a whistle stop tour of various different formats I did there. I used to, the early ones, those were completely mixed age and mixed level, and I can make that work and I'm perfectly happy to do those. But then when I made it this new format, I did it group by age. You need to decide how often you're going to do them, obviously, whether they're going to be included and whether you're happy doing mixed level, mixed age or both. I personally prefer mixed level at the same age bracket because it's easy enough for me to make things work on multiple levels. And it's more fun for students when they're with sort of their peers. Now there's benefits to having mixed ages as well, but I do like to have them that they can kind of get along and have jokes together on the same level. That's based on age. That's nothing to do with music ability, right? Or music experience. But the don't here is don't do something that you don't feel confident with either for numbers. So if you're not confident that you can get a certain number of students splitting it up by age or by level, don't do it that way. On the other hand, if you don't feel comfortable doing a mixed age, mixed level, if you're like, I have no idea how that would work and it sounds really overwhelming, then don't do it that way. Just be intentional about what way you set them up for yourself. The next do is to make sure you have students play for each other. A performance group workshop is not the only type that can be successful. I think it's often the default for teachers and it definitely isn't the only option, but it is a great one. So consider some way of having students play for each other, but don't force it. If a student does not want to play for the others at a group workshop, it's rare, but it does happen. If they don't, I just say, okay, let me know if you're ready later. That's the end. I'm not going to push them, especially not in front of other students. That would be rough. And you may be worried that it would snowball. I've never seen that happen. The next student is always just as happy, happy enough to just get up and play for everyone. But having students play for each other is super valuable. So do include it at least sometimes in your group workshops. Related to that is the next do, which is to ask for feedback from students. So before any student plays, I make sure that the other students know that they're going to be asked about the performance when that student is finished. So before they start, before one student starts, I turn to all the others and say, remember, I'm gonna ask for one thing you like and one thing they could do better. So that's the absolute minimum. I may have more specifics in certain circumstances like preparing for a concert or if we're focusing on a specific composer or something, But at a minimum, that's what I'm going to ask them to do and to listen for. And when that student finishes, I'm going to go around, just pick out two students at random. ask one for the thing they liked and the other for the thing they didn't like or the performer could do better. Which brings me to the don't. (laughs) When I ask for what they like, they cannot say it was nice or something like that. They have to say, something interesting not it was nice or I liked it but there were great dynamics they have to say something specific and the other adjacent don't is when they're asked for something the student could do to improve they are not allowed to say nothing or I don't know (laughs) they have to come up with something so I help them with that I give them examples but they have to come up with something because as I say all the time to them there's no such thing as perfect There's no way it was perfect, I can't play perfectly, neither can you, neither can that performer. So you need to come up with something they could do better and it can be small, but it has to be true and it has to be something they could improve. The next do for your group workshops won't be a surprise. It is to do play games. Absolutely play games in these groups. It is so much fun. And yes, if I'm honest, it is more fun to play games in a group situation than in solo lessons. I still think playing games in solo lessons is also fun, but it goes to a new level when other students are involved. But the pitfall here, the don't, is that you can easily let the game become frustrating or boring for students if you're not careful in a group format. So when you're one on one, you can easily alter the pace. You can easily mix things up. You can make the game finish early if you need to, if the student is getting restless with the particular format. You can give them hints if they're finding it difficult. But with a group situation, you need to make sure that they, if it's multi-level, that the levels work out right and that it's not harder for one student than another or too easy for some of the students there. Always add some extra additional thing for them if it's going to be too easy. And don't let it become boring, not just in the level of it, but in the pacing. So when you have a really big group, like I've had a, groups of, of around 10 kids, okay, And if you have like 10 playing one game, you can also split them up and have them play two different games. I've done that as well. But when you do have 10 playing one game, you need to make sure it's a game that the turns go quickly or that you give the other students something to do during that time. Like the opportunity to steal a point if they're all at the same level and that would make sense or just some other activity that they're doing at the same time as playing the game like even a colouring sheet, like literally anything, that they're not just waiting, because waiting for nine other kids to go is too much for many children. In group workshops, I recommend you absolutely do sing together, but you don't call anyone out for not singing. I never shame students. Just call them out in any way if they're not singing along. But we do a lot of singing in our group workshops. And actually, that's a big component of the group workshop plan that we recently released inside Vibrant Music Teaching, which is called the ultimate group workshop. It's called that because you can piece it together in multiple different ways and it works for different levels. It really works in every circumstance. And I've tested it all year before we released it. And it really works. (laughs) So there's a lot of songs in that. There's a lot of other things as well, but there are a lot of songs really singing games, like with actions and different things to do with them. If I'm doing a group workshop and we're singing and one of the students is speaking instead of singing or just whispering or not saying the words at all, but just doing the actions, that's fine. I'm not going to say boo to them, nothing at all. Just going to let them absorb it in their own way. The next recommendation is one you might miss, and that is do talk about the difficult parts of music learning. When you have multiple students together, you've got this great opportunity to let them see that the things they find hard, practicing every day, going through difficult music, reading or writing music or improvising, whatever it is that they find difficult, other students find it difficult too. Other students also get upset when they make mistakes Or feel like they should be able to do things faster than they can. So do start conversations about that. A great resource for this is our Gritty Critters series of games. That's a great one for just drawing out conversations. Or a great series. There's eight different games. But they're all super for drawing out conversations. Starting to talk about mistakes and challenges. The magic word yet. And all those different things. Well, we're perfectly fine with acknowledging that music learning is difficult sometimes and fun other times, we're never going to let any student shame another for not knowing something. That sounds extreme and it kind of sounds like something, well, obviously, (laughs) but it can happen in subtler ways and it can be hard to know how to deal with it. So I think it's important to think about in advance. If a student says to another during a game, oh my God, how could you not know that? That one is so easy. What are you going to say back to them? How are you going to stop that dead in its tracks? Because it's not right. And it's not what the group experience is about. I don't like that kind of competition. It's not even competition. It's just shaming, honestly. And I never allow it to go any further than one start of a sentence in my studio. The final do, which probably has come across through all of this, is do have a plan and keep the pace moving. Don't think of group workshops as a time that you can just switch off or that you can just have the kids play for each other and then they all go home or have the kids play for each other, eat pizza and all go home. I've no problem with any of those things, but I think you need to have a plan. Outcomes that you want from that group, even if it is that every student comes away understanding that everyone makes mistakes, you have some kind of an outcome that is on your mind and helps you plan the lessons. Don't ever stress about following your plan perfectly to the letter, but do make it, because that's going to make your whole group lesson experience, your group workshop experience, more intentional and beneficial for your students. Your one thing this week is to make a note of one of these that you could miss or that you have missed in the past and write a little sticky note reminder to yourself and put it somewhere you'll see it for the next week so that it's fresh on your mind or embedded in your mind when you go to plan your next group workshop i hope you enjoyed this exploration of do's and don'ts of group workshops if you are considering group lessons or you already teach group lessons As your primary format, definitely go and check out Melanie's post over on the blog. I would love to hear your thoughts there too in the comments or on Instagram at colourfulkeys. If you liked this episode, you would absolutely love Viper Music Teaching Membership. We have the support and the training you need to take your teaching further. Join us today by going to vmt.ninja and signing up. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Vibrant Music Teaching Podcast. I hope you loved it and I wanted to pop on here one more time to remind you about our event. It's happening in Cincinnati this July and you can get all the details at vibrantmusicteaching.com slash turbo. See you there.